Coming up next on the Witness the World podcast. Attitude is everything. Pity party was never an option. Did I cry? Absolutely. You can't, the stress that comes along with cancer is excruciating. (laughs) It's never ending. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons to be scared and sad, but self-pity was never an option. And and it's funny because people say, well, did you have the feel? Why me? I'm a fitness expert. And I think, no, when there's little babies in the hospital with cancer, you know, what did they do? They did nothing to deserve it. So, you know, I really had the, why not me attitude. Thankfully, I've already taken care of this body and thankfully I, I am a resilient person. I'm most importantly, I'm not a kid with cancer and it's not my kid with cancer. So I'm gonna be grateful. And so my decisions up front were perspective, just simply being grateful. I wasn't a kid and it wasn't my kid with the cancer. The Witness the World podcast represents the personal views of the host and guests at the time of recording. These views may change over time. The content here is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any content here should not be construed as financial, medical, or any other type of professional advice. Please consult with a qualified practitioner should you require any professional advice. Welcome to episode 16 of the Witness the World podcast. My name is Ben Choi, and today we'll be heading to the United States. Our guest is a fitness expert, race announcer, and an author. She's also a motivational speaker, podcaster, and a cancer crusher. Today, we'll learn about her journey and how she inspires others so they can discover their best self. We'll also discuss some ideas and approaches and how we can all level up our fitness game. Fitz Kohler, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Ben, thanks for having me. Great to have you here. So Fitz, uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted you on is uh, you've had quite an interesting comeback story uh, three, four years ago. Uh, so I wanted to jump into that, but before we do that, uh, I thought we'd get a little flavor of what is Fitz up to today in her day-to-day, week-to-week. I'm sure there's a lot of you know fitness training and I guess podcasting, like you're talking to people like me today and uh, doing some race announcing still maybe. So yeah, I just wonder if you could share a little bit about what you're up to today. The spring in general is loaded with races for me. It's a hot time for the marathon running and 5K and, you know, it's great weather. So people are out in full force. So I've been doing a ton of travel. In fact, over the next seven weeks, I think I'll be in eight different states speaking and hosting races. So there's a lot of travel right now. Today, I'm at the tail end of a wonderful three-week gap where I've been able to just spend time with my dogs and spend time outside and do a little work on these books. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I drove a neighbor to her colonoscopy today (laughs) and I felt very grateful to be able to do something low key and leisurely 
at home. So um, yeah, I'm, I, I stay so busy sometimes just go, go, go. It's airports and hotels and massive events, which I love, but I, I, because of that, I definitely appreciate the downtime. It's good to hear you getting some recharge time. So now let's kind of turn to your comeback story and let's set this up a little bit here. So, so three, four years ago, you're living your best life, mm-hmm. everything good with your company, probably, you know, some of the best fitness condition of your life and everything going well. And then the universe throws you a bit of a curveball in 2019. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just wondered if you could, you know, share with us, you know, high level, you know, you know, tell us a little about that journey and that battle with cancer and like pre and post what that was like, if you can take us back there. Yeah, so you're right. I was uh, super fit and uh, walking the walk as a fitness pro and an athlete. In fact, the day I found my lump, which was seven weeks after a crystal clear mammogram, I was at a race weekend. I was supposed to run a race the next day and I did. Um, But yeah, I got out of the shower and I rubbed my under boob and I, I found it. And uh, made an immediate call. And, you know, cancer is so rampant. This, interestingly enough, I'm not talking about a rare disease, right? We've all been affected by cancer, whether it's personally or a family member or a close friend or even someone we work with. You know, cancer is everywhere. So the real important thing here is that if somebody finds anything strange on their body, A, you got to look for it. (laughs) But if you find something weird, you got to report it right away. So while standing there naked in the bathroom, after I found that lump, I picked up my phone, which was on the bathroom counter. And I called my doctor and I was able to get in immediately after running that race. And so over the next week, I had had the appointments and the mammogram and the ultrasound and then punch biopsies. And I mean, again, a little over a week after being after finding my lump, I was told, yeah, you have breast cancer and it's already spread to your lymph nodes. It's running through your like wildfire. And we have to treat you aggressively. And so that set me up on 15 months of chemotherapy, which is a really long time to do chemo and 33 rounds of radiation. I had some surgeries and it was awful. It was God awful. I was uh, run over by a train. You know, just my worst experience through cancer was the sickness. And not everybody has that, thankfully, but I was violently ill for a very long time for Five months straight, I lived with what would be uh, comparable to a horrible stomach bug or food poisoning. But imagine every day for five months having that. And then when I finished that that part of chemo, they set me up on a different type of chemo. And then I lost a lot of weight and I became a little, you know, dancing skeleton or speaking noisy skeleton. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, it was tough, but I made some extraordinary decisions at the beginning of my treatment. And thankfully, I did so because it really got me through this this nightmare with flying colors and uh, allowed me to help people after the fact. I'm just wondering, you know, like for someone going through like a health challenge, that's what it is, quite the battle that you've been through. I mean, the mental side of things is probably pretty key. I mean, it's yep. obviously important. You make sure you get the right treatment, see the yep. right doctors, eat right, get the right rest. But mm-hmm. the mental side of things is probably super important with something that just drags on like that. It probably wears on you. So I yeah. just kind of want to ask you, uh, kind of uh, 
touches on one of the little quotes that kind of rings a bell for me with you is uh, you, you mentioned that you always want to be a victor and not a victim and mm -hmm. uh, have that victor mentality, not a vic uh, victim mentality. And yeah. uh, I think that mindset thing was key when you kind of went through this as I've kind of learned a little bit about you. So I wonder if you can speak a little bit about that and how important it is to get be focused in, in the right mindset. Yeah, so pity party was never an option. Did I cry? Absolutely. You can't, the stress that comes along with cancer is excruciating. <laughs> it's never ending. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons to be scared and sad, but self-pity was never an option. And, and it's funny because people say, well, did you have the feel? Why me? I'm a fitness expert. And I think, no, when there's little babies in the hospital with cancer, you know, what did they do? They did nothing to deserve it. So, you know, I really had the, why not me attitude. Thankfully, I've already taken care of this body. And thankfully, I, I am a resilient person. I'm most importantly, I'm not a kid with cancer and it's not my kid with cancer. So I'm going to be grateful. And so my decisions up front were perspective, just simply being grateful. I wasn't a kid and it wasn't my kid with the cancer. Number two, I chose to pursue my passions. Uh, number one was special time with my kids. So did I miss out on some things? For sure. The day to day, I couldn't drive them to school many days because I was too sick. And their friends, our friends filled in. I mean, we definitely had a lot of community support. But if Ginger and Parker had a show, a ceremony, a sport, I was going to be there. And that was decision made up front before I even knew what I was going to go through. And then I also committed to my career. And that's a big thing in a grown-up's life. You know, too many people take a job that's just a job to pay the bills. I think it's really important to do what you love, love what you do. And for me... You know, this race announcing, the the keynote speaking, I live for connecting with those people. It's not just an income. And I do love an income. I'm proud to earn a good income. But I just, I'm so enthusiastic about the situations I'm in and the events that I host or the the speaking engagement. So I decided, you know, cancer is going to steal my, my good feelings. It's going to steal some of my energy. It's going to steal my hair. It is not going to steal my career. And I boarded over 30 planes out of Gainesville, Florida to do the things that I do. And the great miracle to all of that is even though traveling with a violent stomach bug is a horrible experience and, you know, there was so much toughness to it. Once I stepped on those stages, everything that was wrong with me, all of my sickness, my suffering, my fatigue, every single thing that was wrong with me disappeared as long as I was working, you know, I'd climb up onto the stage and I'd say, hello, everybody. And then, and then it was gone. And I got to be me. I got to be full force Fitzkohler for as long as I had an athlete out on the course, or as long as I was on the stage with those wonderful people. And so uh, that was a big decision. If I would have said, no, I'm going to take a year and a half off. Nobody would have blamed me. People said, oh, the poor girl has cancer. Of course I would have blamed me. That would have been a terrible de decision, not only for my business, but all I would have been was sick. And for these people who get something and then they say, I'm going to stay home. I'm just going to hide out. I'm going to wear a mask and I'm not going to see smiles and I'm, I'm going to isolate. Now depression kicks in and that's no good for anybody's health. So it was perspective. It was my passions. I kept, I chose to be positive. Hey man, I cried every day, but I chose joy. When I, when someone said something funny, I would laugh. I mean, I, there's no bonus points for being the saddest person in the room. Oh, she's got cancer. Poor girl. Let's pity her. Let's coddle her. I, I had help, but I, 
there was no benefit for me being less than who I am mentally. So, um, yeah, so I, so I, I went through it. It was horribly hard and then I got through it. And ever since then I have chosen to be my best and try new adventures and have as much joy in my life as possible since finishing cancer care. One theme that you kind of said there is like, you choose, you choose yeah. to live like this. You choose to do this. You choose yeah. to do that. Cancer is not letting, you know, not going to make the choices for right. you. And, you uh, know, I, I think this was really highlighted when I was watching some of your videos, you had some videos while you were like, I guess just before treatment and then after treatment and then yeah. losing your hair. And I mean, it's, it's really intense, really emotional. And yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, what you were going through there. But despite all of that, you chose to find the humor in all those situations. And I think that was really inspiring. And you chose to do what you want to do. And, um, you know, you chose to be happy, like you said, be joyful. So, um, yeah, that's a great credit to you. And uh, I think, uh, you know, what would be great to know is just like, how do you like, how are you wired like that? Like, what did you do, you know, many years ago to get yourself into that mindset? Because I think a lot of people would love to kind of get into that mindset. Some people are totally not there. Some people working on it. Are there any kind of like tips or tricks or secret sauce to get you kind of in that mindset? Yeah. You know what? I mean, I was born a Tigger. I'm a happy person by nature. That really helps. Uh, but I've all, also found that when I was younger, when maybe I'd have a tantrum or whatever, it never came of anything. There was no benefit to it. I remember going out for a haircut. I had long hair. I was a teenager and I went to this random hair place and the guy was cutting my hair and he kept screwing it up. So he kept going shorter and shorter. And I finally freaked out and I left and I was 16. I get in the car and I drive home and my hair is just slanty. It's totally crooked. And, uh, I get home and instead of crying about it, we ended up laughing about it. We just ended up laughing about my butchered hairdo because it was hair and was it frustrating? Sure. But my family, we were rolling on the floor laughing about my stupid hair and uh, it just is what it is. So in my memoir, my noisy cancer comeback, that's one of the greatest, one of the greatest bits of feedback I get from that book is people say, oh my gosh, you went in, you went to all the gory details and you know, that made me cry, but I laughed a whole lot more because the reality is cancer can be funny. You know, when I lost my hair, okay, sad, but people started telling me, you look just like crazy Britney Spears. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. And the, the, the statements from the people I were around, I could have been mad. Uh, my best friend called me noisy mannequin. I looked like a noisy mannequin. Uh, I looked like Grace Jones. No, I don't. I never look like Grace Jones, but that's okay. You look like the woman from Star Trek. Okay. I don't think so, but sure. So, you know, those things were humorous. I not only was bald, which is frustrating enough, and I never wore a bit a wig. I just chose, I'm not going to hide my head if, and wigs are uncomfortable. They made me sad. So I said, no, thank you. Then I would have like rashes. Chemo makes you, it's it, it's something that a lot of people are hyper allergic to in many regards. So I was not only bald, but then I had, I called them ogre bumps and splotches and I look like Shrek. And so, you know, I took on, I was Shrek for a while. That's who I was. I was Shrek when I lost my lashes um, and my eyebrows. I look like Voldemort. And does any woman want to look like Voldemort? Oh, but did it make us laugh? It did. And and I knew it was temporary. You have to laugh at yourself or you're just going to cry the whole darn time, right? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that Shrek analogy, uh, that's pretty hilarious. But you're finding the humor. You're making me laugh. So, yeah, yeah so important there. So, you know, you talk about your book and uh, I think the first chapter in your book, you mentioned it, it's called Control. And uh, in life, there are so many things out of our control. It can be overwhelming. And yeah, it sometimes can be hard, you know, just a day to day yeah. kind of slog through things. But uh, for you, I mean, obviously, you had that mindset. Yeah, maybe it was kind of the way you were raised, you were born, you had some of these things, you know, uh, innately, but uh, wondering, yeah, for people that are just kind of building on things like to control, like, are there things that uh, you can suggest for them to, you know, do little things to help you with that control and make the uncontrollable a lot more manageable? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, that chapter number one is from this book, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. And this one is a guidebook for newly diagnosed cancer patients of all sorts to include exercise, nutrition, quality rest, complementary care to get them through their treatment and beyond back to healthy and vibrant. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's not about, oh, life is happening to me. Hey, I couldn't have done anything to snap my fingers and make that cancer go away right away, but I could control certain things. And it was, my obligation to myself to make those decisions. Number one, it was choosing quality care. I didn't let a hospital assign me doctors. I went out and I said, who's the best doctors? Let me know. I got the A team as my physicians. And when you are being treated for something terrifying, whether it's ALS or MS or cancer, you want to know that the person in charge of your life, your quality of life, knows what they're doing. So that's a big decision. When they recommend treatment, you know that you can say yes, you can say no thanks, I don't want to do that. Let's find something else. So that's your control. The mindset, you know, they say in every category, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. I chose the way I responded to things. And then, you know, I firmly believe when you combine mental fortitude with a physically strong and capable body, you're unstoppable. I mean, putting those two things together were very valuable to me. During my cancer care, was I able to keep up with my former self? I was not. But every day I made a decision to do something. So even when I was stuck in bed, I stretched. I didn't just lie there and let my muscles atrophy and let my my muscles become tight. I stretched. I would do some basic strength training bridges, which is just a, a really simple exercise you can do lying flat on your back, lifting up your hips. That was proactive for me and my health. And so, uh, yeah, people have to take control of the things they can. If you just, you just let your life go on spin cycle and you take what you get, well, you're going to be in a heap and of hurting. Just wondering, is there anything you do to kind of keep your, I guess, your mind from going off to the deep end? Like, do you do like meditation, do different kind of activities that keep you centered and balanced? Or, you know, you just were able to be like this from day one? So I use all those tools that people tell you to use. I exercise. I like to be outside. I, I like to be with my animals. I have two dogs and uh, I used to have a duck. She was amazing. But yeah, I know what what feeds my soul. So I lean on those things. I like happy music. But making decisions, you know, I just, I think, okay, is this benefiting me? What are the odds that's going to happen? I have a family member who likes to worry. She just worries about everything. And, and because of that worry, she misses out on a lot of things. She will stay home worrying about whatever instead of going to watch her grandchildren perform in a play, you know? So some people really, their 
their concern, their overreactions really cripple them and and remove them from quality of life. And so I am I have this internal coach and she says, that's not rational. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna get through this. This isn't the end of the world. You might be frustrated right now. I mean, I'm I, I just published books. There's a lot of stressful stuff that goes on in the book book publishing experiencers. There's edits and design and delays and it you could really lose your mind over it. But you know, in my mind, I say, okay, it's not cancer. It'll be fine. The world is not going to implode if this book isn't out on this particular date. So, so yeah, it's, it's the ability to talk yourself up instead of put yourself down. I think that's, that's really a key factor for, if, for anybody, if anybody can do that, they're going to be, they're going to be so much better than they were for sure. Talk yourself up. No, that's well said. No, that's uh, great insights there, Fitz. So, Let's kind of pivot over to your fitness expertise now. So yeah. as someone that's, you know, pretty active myself, I run, I play some sports and just, you know, over the years, I kind of always figured, you know, the best way to kind of improve your fitness and well-being is, uh, well, it's twofold. Uh, there's the nutrition side and then there's yeah. obviously the exercise side. And so I think from my experience, uh, the nutrition is maybe three quarters of the battle, and then the exercise is maybe 25% of the battle. I'm a numbers guy, so you know that's where the percentages come in. Yeah. So just wondering, yeah, what is your experience with that? And uh, I guess, do you work on both sides a lot with uh, some of the people you've worked with over the years? And what, what's your take? Yeah. So number one, I can tell you're fit. Your shoulders are uh, are a telltale. And I was going to point that out earlier. Your whole, your from your jaw, your neck, your shoulders. Your, oh, your th thank you. you. <laughs> Even in the collared shirt, you you wear it well. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting. I have all the fancy degrees. I have a master's in exercise and sports sciences, and and all sorts of certifications and so forth. So I have all of the expertise. But really what I tell people is I have a master's degree in the most simple, stupid science on earth. It's not so complicated. This this multi-billion dollar weight loss industry is insane to me because 0% of those products are weight loss products. There's no such thing as an actual weight loss product. There's not a weight loss bar or weight loss beverage. All of that is hokey crap. So what do you have to do? You know, if it comes to weight management, you're right. Nutrition. Nutrition is king. It's about learning how to eat the right amount of the right food for the size you want to be. You don't have to buy any particular shake or pill or powder. In fact, you should never buy those things as a weight loss tool because they're, they're, they don't work. They don't exist. You should buy real food and learn how much of it you should eat. If you go to the cover of fitness.com, you'll read an article called The Exact Formula for Weight Loss. That'll teach you about nutrition. But then when it comes to fitness, it goes a little beyond just going for a walk, right? So I promote the four pillars of fitness. And if if somebody is lacking in one category, they actually don't qualify as fit. And so, you know, for example, if you are a bodybuilder who can't touch your toes, are you fit? Probably no. not. Probably not. Yeah. If you are a yoga instructor who can do all sorts of wonderful bendy moves, but you can't walk up two flights of stairs without huffing and puffing, are you fit? No, nope. <laughs> marathon runner who can't do five push-ups, not fit. So there are four pillars of fitness that matter. It's strength, it's cardiorespiratory endurance, it's flexibility and balance. And all four of those things a person needs to be proficient in to qualify as fit. And so they can choose what percentage that they spend their time on, but all four are essential. You know, if you're, 
If you're a guy, focus on putting on size and mass and strength. Okay, well, you're going to do a little more strength training than you are the others, but you should still do balance training. The reason balance training is important is so you don't fall down. <laughs> and so that'll happen even to our most impressive athletes if they're not working on balance and a, and a thing called proprioception, which is for another day. But all four pillars matter. It doesn't really matter to me how you go about doing your strength training. If you love dumbbells, and do dumbbells. If you love bands and body weight, great. Do that. If you're a cable machine person, fantastic. Ideally, you'll do a little bit of everything, but you don't have to do things you dislike as long as you're doing something to promote overall strength. If you, you know, I hear it all the time, as even though there's millions of awesome runners and walkers out there, people say, I can't run. I don't want to run. Okay, fine. Cycle, dance, do karate. I don't care. Just get your heart rate up. Puff and puff. That's really important to longevity and uh, and 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 quality of life. If your heart goes bad, you're going to be in a, a a big predicament, right? And then flexibility. Even if one of those big muscly men, you know, if their muscles are tight, their low back is tight. Nobody ever says, "Gee, my back is tight," and means it in a good way, right? This feels great. My back is tight. So mobility is important to all of us. Your your shoulder girdle, for example goes in like a 360 degree loop. How often are people putting their shoulder through that range of motion? That's how it's supposed to go. Your legs will, or your hips will twist your legs around. Your spine will rotate and bend. And, and we should do those things because if not, we end up uh, limited in activities and then we end up in pain. So uh, yeah, it's nutrition, it's exercise, quality sleep, and then my fourth is removing the cranky people. Because if you're in toxic relationships and you're surrounded by jerks, you're really probably going to make some bad decisions. So um, that that's fitness. Oh, okay. That last one I don't think is probably included in most people's training plan, no. but uh, it's a good ad there. So I just want to touch base with, yeah, on your, your four pillars a little bit further. So yeah, to me, it sounds like we got to make sure we have eat all four of those elements in our plan but i guess depending on your the exercise the sport you do so if i'm a marathon runner versus if i was like a, a football player or hockey player or something like the amount and percentage of you know those different elements is probably going to vary is that fair to say absolutely yeah so you would imagine a marathon runner i mean i trained for the boston marathon about a year or so ago and some some weeks I ran for 13 hours or no, that's a lie. I never did that much. Maybe it was nine hours of running. I did nine hours of running, which is a lot of running. And then at that point, my strength training might've been two hours. I was not giving up strength training. I just maybe did a little less. Now, I, I love strength training. If you give me a choice, that would be my favorite thing to do every day, all day. I love strength training, but that's not enough for my heart and lungs. So uh, yeah, you will vary the time put in based on your intended outcomes. The other piece I want to touch on a little more is like the nutrition piece. And yeah. like you said, it's not super complicated and uh, we shouldn't have to go and, you know, touch base with the fitness, the food industry to like, help with the diet industry to right. spend all the money. But uh Besides, you know, uh, checking out your website and stuff, I'm just wondering, like, are there some like basic like no-nos that like universally has been hold true? So, for instance, so, say 
I try to stay away from like, you know, refined sugars yep. and keep my carb intake uh, low. And I stay away from like dairy, bread, that kind of thing. They're like, are there certain things there that are fundamentally like just not going to help you? And or maybe it's just a matter of input versus output. I mean, what you consume and what you burn off, maybe that's the basic formula we follow. Uh, just wondering, yeah, what, what's your take on that? Yeah. So uh, your size is determined by your input. So that is the numbers game. It's in versus out. And that's the exact formula for weight loss. Again, if people can go read that, it's a five minute read and all of a sudden they go, oh my God, it can't be that simple. Yeah, it is that simple. However, when it comes to nutrition, there are foods that help and there are foods that hurt. And ideally we would have the majority of our intake be from the foods that help category. category and less of the foods that hurt. Now, one of the things that I have real, I have a real problem with diets in general, including keto, including intermittent fasting. I mean, the intermittent fat, fasting thing kills me because humans have a fast built into our day. It's called sleep, right? And then we wake up and we have breakfast. We're breaking the fast. There's no reason to restrict yourself. You can only eat between 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. That's insanity. And it sets you up for failure. It's not a long-term plan. And when you, when you get on a plan, if it's working, when you get off it, success goes away. So intake throughout your day, I am a firm believer in having a little fuel in the morning, much like if I were going to take a long auto trip, I would gas up before I went on the trip. I wouldn't try to drive 150 miles and then say, oh, now I'm going to get gas. I would start with a full tank. So our body needs fuel. Food is fuel. Food is good for us. But you know, there's all the things in the healthy category, the lean protein sources, the nuts, the beans, the legumes, certain produce items. There's fruits and veggies. Uh, I think there are some good dairy products. Not everybody's averse to dairy. Uh, I, I really love the almond milks and the soy milks. And some people still want to go with cow milks. That's up to them. But yeah, you can do a lot of good pro- go- good for your body with certain dairy products. I'm a vegetarian doesn't mean everybody's got to be a vegetarian. There are healthy meats. Um, and then there are meats that are just pretty bad for you. It's the processed meats, number one. They are a, uh, what do we call them? A category one carcinogen by the World Health Organization. So the World Health Organization thinks you're likely to, uh, to experience cancer if you eat lots of sausage and bacon and other processed meats. So steer clear. I think so. Treat them like cigarettes. Maybe one won't cause lung cancer. Maybe it will. So you make those de- those decisions yourself. Alcohol, obviously not very good for your body. Even wine, it has damaging pro- properties. I believe that's also considered a category one carcinogen by the World Health Organization. And for the most part, you don't have to be rigid about anything. I think the only place rigidity comes into place is if you personally are allergic to something, right? So- one of my kids has a dairy uh, issue and a gluten issue. So there's not, none of that. They just d- decide it's not worth it for me. But if you don't have a gluten allergy, well, sure, you can have some whole grains. And carbs are great. Carbs are energy. Carbs are fuel. So fruit, lots of those. Veggies, lots of those. I'm never going to avoid those type of carbohydrates. Potatoes, rich with nutrition and pro- quality energy. That's a wonderful fuel source. So I don't want people to be afraid of carbs. I want them to uh, seek out the best kind and then use it, put them to good work, go get some exercise. Right. Um, And then 
when you choose your caloric budget with the exact formula, for me, I think 85 to 90% of your caloric intake should be quality. You know, it's not white crackers. It's not white bread. If you're going to have a cracker, make it a whole grain cracker or a whole grain bread. And then you have some wiggle room. So if 10 to 15% of your caloric intake is chocolate or French fries or a beer, then so be it, right? You shouldn't have to deprive yourself of everything you want. You get mostly healthy because you care about your body. And then when someone offers you a Hershey kiss, you say, sure, thanks, I'll have it. I like that concept, a caloric budget. So Mm -hmm. maybe it's kind of like, maybe not a cheat day, maybe it's like a cheat meal here and there. And as long as you stay within budget, then uh, should be on track. Well, and you're right. And the other thing I actually like to steer people away from is cheating because we're grownups. Are we really cheating? What are we cheating on? We're making a choice. We're saying, okay, I am going to have a salad and a couple of onion rings. Is that cheating or is that just making a decision, right? So don't ever do the cheat meals or the cheat days. Don't just remove that thought process from your head. Just I'm going to have a little fun with it. I've I've been a good boy. I've eaten all my 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 nutrients for the day and now I'm going to have a beer and some onion rings. Okay? And you say okay, you're making a an adult decision to do that and that's fine. Sounds like a good plan fits. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to ask you, you know, just something to I guess supplements, you know, the diet, like stuff like vitamins and like for all different things. Uh, just wondering do you have a rule of thumb for vitamins? Are they helpful, good or bad, yay or nay? I do, I do. So anything that has weight loss in front of it is is a phony piece of snake oil. So everybody should avoid those things. Um, but I do believe that vitamins can be beneficial. I personally take a multivitamin every day just for safety, right? In case I don't get all the nutrients, I, I have a vi- multivitamin and that um, covers it for me. However, I think that people should discuss this stuff with their doctor their uh, dietitian, someone who has drawn their blood and says, you know what, you are deficient in calcium. So you should take calcium or you are deficient in iron. You don't go into a vitamin store and ask their minimum wage employee who has no expertise, certainly no expertise on you and your body and what it needs and take their advice on what type of products you should buy. So for sure, I think vitamins and certain supplements can be beneficial but don't don't look up some influencer on YouTube and take her advice on what kind of vitamin you should take. And certainly don't listen to the stupid commercials on TV. Talk with your doctor and say, hey, am I getting all the nutrition I need? If not, where should I fill in the gaps? They'll do a blood panel and then they'll say, here, fill in the gaps. Maybe they'll just say, get a multivitamin or you're a pregnant woman. You're likely to need folate and iron and so forth. But um. But yeah, don't don't make those decisions willy nilly and don't fall prey to people without expertise giving you advice. Thanks for your thoughts, Fitz. So speaking of people, you know, with expertise, I'm just kind of curious, uh, where do you get like the best information for, you know, fitness, health, nutrition, all that kind of stuff there? You mentioned your doctor, but some doctors are not trained in the nutrition i mean right. in canada most, most are not most, most are, not. are not here not in canada yeah. and uh and you said like in the internet social influencers i mean like those probably not the greatest sources unless yeah. they're really experts they've done research and you know done studies on it so yeah with all the stuff out there like where do you go and find 
the information. I, I would assume that, yeah, you, you put, you, you grind through that, you put it on your website to help, you know, all your clients, but like, where do yeah. you, where do you source your information for this? I look up research. I actually go read journals and I read studies. That's where I go for it. Um, I will obviously talk to my doctors when I have medical questions about me. Uh, but yeah, I go straight to jur scientific journals. I want to know the truth. And uh, when writing my books, you know, I stay in my lane. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to give out medical advice. You know, I know what to avoid with nutrition and that's uh, phony scams. You know, I can tell you for sure, but if you've got diabetes, you need to go meet with a registered dietitian. You need to meet with someone who's an expert in nutrition if they're going to direct you specifically on what your body needs and what your body should avoid. So when it comes to exercise, I'm your girl. I'm your girl. When it comes to medicine, you go to a doctor. When it comes to drugs, you talk to a pharmacist, right? And and then you don't you don't ask your doctor how to build a fit body. You know, hopefully the doctor says, well, I know Fitz Kohler has great advice. Go talk to her about that. So, you know, we should all be laser focusing on the things that we're best at and referring out for the things that we're not expert at. Yeah, well, those are great insights, Fitz. So before we kind of wind things down here, I thought uh, maybe we can tap into your inner race announcer and, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of help people that, you know, might may, may be starting their, their health and fitness journey, or maybe want to improve their fitness journey. They're getting to that starting line. They're about yeah. to go. Just wondering if there's like a, a great motivational message you can kind of kick, kick them off with to head them on the right path. Yeah. So you're capable of all sorts of wonderful things physically, but you just have to put in the effort. So some people, you know, they use the word, I can't all the, I can't run. I can't do a 5k. I can't this remove the word. Can't start there and just start with thinking of the things that you can do. Look to those four pillars, strength, cardio, flexibility, balance, but say, okay, what can I do in cardio today? And what's going to make me huff and puff? You don't have to be who you were in high school and you don't have to compete with any of our Olympians. It's just about you being a better version of you. And so start small and then push the envelope a teeny bit every day. If you're going to just start walking and you want to walk for 10 minutes today, fine. Walk 11 minutes tomorrow. Walk quicker tomorrow. If you're going to Start strength training, do push-ups on your knees and work up to even just one push-up on your feet. So, you know, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Know that a fit body is capable, is possible for you. There have been so many wonderful success stories from people who have been mangled at war or from car accidents or from disease, and they've come back to achieve greatness. So I hope none of your viewers are dealing with any of those incredible hardships, but even if they are, there's... A, a future for them, which uh, fitness will definitely enhance. So get moving. And uh, if you start to doubt that you're capable, put a little Fitzy on your shoulder to me, my big mouth, and know that I'm poking you in your chest and saying, get up, get moving, make better choices with eating. And every time you do, I'm cheering for you. That's a great message to leave us off with, Fitz. So before we let you go here, got to ask you the two-parter question. So what are you most grateful for and what are you most looking forward to in the future? Yeah, I am most grateful for my health and the health of my family. And then what am I looking for? I'm looking forward to everything, everything, more race announcing, more speaking, more helping cancer patients with these books and 
uh, more doing things that scare me, more doing things I'm not good at. I love to be challenged. I love to be dirty. Uh, so yeah, adventure, adventure. I just, I'm looking forward to everything because life is really good and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Thanks, Fitz. So if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so fitness.com is my home base for everything. That's F-I-T-Z is in zebra, N-E-S-S.com. Tons of free resources there. There's an online course, Fixing Your Life with Fitness, which gets deep in the weeds, will help anybody go from uh, unfit to very fit. And then, of course, my books are available there. And then I am at Fitness on all social channels. So Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and I'm also on LinkedIn. And here's the deal. If you guys follow me, I promise quality content in return. However, I would much rather you follow and then use the comments section or private message to say, I heard you on Ben's Witness the World podcast. And I would like to say hi, because uh, I would much rather have friends than followers. So let's really connect say hello. And uh, yeah, we can be we can be besties. Thanks, Fitz. We'll be sure to add those details to our show notes. Thanks, Ben. So that's a wrap for episode 16. Thanks for joining us and namaste, everyone. <laughs>